I'm Helen Farmer and it's great to have you with us on Farmer's Kitchen. We were taking a tour of the world from a Greek lunch to the food of India. Plus, why is Italian food so beloved the world over? And it might be November. It's never too early to get a little bit festive. Delving into the pages of Spinach of Spinney's Nourish magazine with Anki at Gulabani. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. We love introducing you to the chefs and sometimes they're homegrown heroes from right here in the UAE and sometimes they are celebrity superstar chefs. We're marking the week of Italian cuisine in the world. Now, in the UAE for the eighth time with Chef Christina Baum and she's an Italian chef. She has a star, she's got three forks and she's in the studio now to share... Your passion and your experience. How are you, Chef? I am doing great and I thank you so much for inviting me here. My it's such an honour. Now, I nearly tried to say week of Italian cuisine in the world in Italian, but I was too scared. How do you say it? La settimana della cucina italiana nel mondo. Oh my goodness me, about a million <laughs> times better than anything I could have attempted. Um, we, I, I want to talk about the popularity of Italian cuisine, but before we get there... I'd love to know a little bit more about you, Chef. Where did you grow up and who was cooking in the home? I was born in a very small village called Cerignola, very small. But my parents moved to Bari, a bigger city, but still small, when I was four. So I grew up in Puglia, which is the hill of the boot. What's it known for, Puglia? Oh, fish. We say that Italian sushi was born in Puglia. (laughs) I mean, I remember when I was a kid and everybody was already eating raw fish. Yes. See, I I had sushi for the first time when I was 24 years old. You you the, you were weaned on it. That's amazing. So it's very famous for that. It's very famous for probably something that you know, orecchiette, you know, that's yeah, that comes from Puglia. Puglia. Yeah, so shikri and uh, mako, you know, like a fava beans that comes from Puglia. So. so you were incredibly lucky then to grow up in such an incredible place for food. And was your family foodie? Who who was who was oh cooking? Oh my God, you? yes. Yes. Everyone. And you had no and choice. And they still are. Really? Yes. I remember my parents like arguing on Friday on who was going to cook on Saturday and Sundays. Because they wanted to. Yes. Not like in our household where it's going, you're cooking, uh, no, no, you're no, no, cooking. No. Exactly. Or for instance, I remember my dad, whenever he would walk into stores, they know him so well. It's almost like red carpet. Oh, Mr. Vituli. So, yes, your mascarpone just got here today. You know, all this kind of stuff. And my grandmother was probably, my grandmother on my mother's side was probably the person that kind of influenced me the more, the most. I mean, all my memories, they are really tied up to her. What are the smells that take you back to childhood cooking and eating? Oh, my God. Yes. Like, uh, for instance, when you make a, a tomato preserve, because I would make that with my grandmother and my grandfather on the terrace, he would actually boil the actual tomato sauce. And sometimes, you know, one of those jars would break and we could hear him like a kind of cussing. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was like, ha, 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 evidently one jar broke. Oh, so, I mean, that. Magical. So, uh, for instance, pasta and peas, uh, which has a particular smell uh, for me. And it was still one of my favorite. Or uh, whenever you would pasteurize the milk, because I still remember the milkman coming and we would buy, I don't know, like a liter of milk. And then you had to boil it, actually simmer mm-hmm. for quite a long time. So that smell, I don't know, mo- uh, for instance, must, you know, like the grapes that have been squeezed out and cooked or... So uh, many. So many. So you yes. had no. Cho- was that always going to be the plan? Was that your destiny to become a chef, Christina? Not at all. What happened? I went to foreign languages high school because I all I've always been attracted to foreign languages in general, and probably because deep down inside, I always wanted to travel and to live. So I knew that you know knowing and learning foreign languages was necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually graduated in law. Okay. I practiced for like a couple don't, of years. Don't mess with this chef. <laughs> well, it was kind of useful. It still is. Okay. Because sometimes whenever they pass me contracts and so on, I'm the first one that actually gives a look. Mm-hmm. And if there's something wrong, I already point it out right away. But you're not sitting in front of us as, uh, as lawyer. You're sitting in front of us as chef. So yes. when did you start to realize that that was going to be your destiny? Very late in life. I mean, I always cooked, but mm-hmm. I never thought that cooking could be a profession. You see, I grew up in a, kind of like a, a middle class, upper middle class. So 
as a woman, graduating, having an office, being a professional was almost like the ambition, mm -hmm. right? So whenever I realized I was 34, when I realized that, because I, then I did 10 years of graphic design, when I realized that I could be a professional in the kitchen, that's when I switched. And I graduated in culinary arts. You just gave me goosebumps. <sighs> But I'm a firm believer in what I kind of call pacing your peaks, you know, and, and maybe not being your happiest or your most successful or doing what you're meant to do when you're 22. Because that's boring. Because then what do you do for the next 60 years? I know. Of having professions and finding love or making friends and traveling to all the way through these different ages and stages. Yes. How incredible. Well, you see, I think that for my personality... I think that there, there are phases, like you said. So it's impossible for me to be attached to the same or have the same passion for the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I want to challenge myself. And so the cooking was a challenge. And I gave myself at the time, that was almost 20 years ago, 10 years, to be successful in the sense that I could do what I liked. Period. And it's not interesting to think about measures of success. To do what you like and get paid for is amazing. But yes. you've now been recognized, as I said, you know, Michelin star, three forks can bear also. I mean, my goodness, Chef Christina Bauman with us today. We're going to be talking about the popularity of Italian food. What is that secret sauce that the rest of the world just cannot get enough of? That's next. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. We're taking a trip to Italy now with Chef Christina Bauman. She is an Italian chef. We're marking the week of Italian cuisine in the world. It's in the UAE for the eighth time. Chef, I'm going to ask you to say it again in Italian because you did it so beautifully before. La settimana della cucina italiana nel mondo. Oh, just floated away then. <laughs> <laughs> now, a 2023 study by Picky Eater blog found that Italian cuisine is the most popular worldwide, followed by Japanese. Why do you think we love it so much? I think it is a combination that is uh, tied to history, but then at the same time at the palate. The palate, because Italian cuisine, it's simple to understand. Your palate understands it right away. And also it, it fills you up. It fills your stomach, your palate, your brain, your heart, everything. Imagine something that has um, carbohydrate-based mm -hmm. Pasta, pizza, easily comprehensible, but at the same time gives you satisfaction. The other one is because it is simple to make, even on the other side of the world, imagine all the people that were moved, like immigrants, we bring, they bring the flour with them or they found it there and they will make pizza. So probably the combination of these two made it um, simple and spread out, mm -hmm. you know, spread out very easily. On the other hand, though, that's the thing that really, ah, I don't know. I can't stand it. Because Italian cuisine is not only that. I think somehow I anticipated your question because probably you were going well, to... Well, that is what... Cause for my sins, when I think Italian food, I do immediately think pizza pasta. And it does it a massive disservice, to be honest. When we think about, you know, geographical changes, you know, you're talking there about Puglia and, you know, incredible fish, but we can, you know, go to any city and it has its own cultural and culinary identity. So... What are some of the big misconceptions then, do you think, Chef? The big misconception is that Italian cuisine is actually only that. But as you just mentioned, we develop, you know, like geographically in longitude. So we have completely different biodiversity from north to south. Every single region, every single village has different stuff, like many other countries in the world. Mm -hmm. But we keep on identifying because it's easier Identify Italian cuisine with just pizza and pasta, but it's not only that at all. What are some of the crimes against Italian food that drive you crazy? And I say this because I have a, an Italian friend and he, he's very passionate about when is appropriate to have a cappuccino and is not afraid to tell people, strangers in cafes, that they're yes. having it at the wrong time. <laughs> I know. Sometimes whenever they come to my restaurant, I had a restaurant for like 18 years now. So they come and they say, I want this, this, and this. And then at the end of the meal, they said, I want a cappuccino. I'm like, no. Not here. And they look at me. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, no, you can't have a cappuccino. You can have coffee, but not cappuccino. Sorry. I don't even make it. You know, like it's really rare. I can make maybe macchiato. But I think that one of the things that I hate the most is the overcooked pasta. Because you see, in reality... The dry pasta, so spaghetti and so on, it's almost necessary in every restaurant. I actually judge the quality of a restaurant on how good the pasta is. 
And so overcooked pasta just drive me insane in Italy. She is an Italian food ambassador for good reason. <laughs> Chef, thank you so much. If anyone wants to find out more about you and, of course, maybe visit you, mm-hmm. what's the best way of finding you online and in real life, Chef Christina? Well, of course, uh, IG, Instagram is easy. It's uh, Christina Bauerman Chef. But in case you have any trouble, just, uh, you know, you can Google Christina, uh, no, Chef with pink hair and I will come up. <laughs> But I've had a restaurant in Rome, in Trastevere, so the heart of Rome for 18 years called Glassosteria. And uh, that's it. Now traveling the world, spreading the message and my goodness, some amazing food. I know you're cooking in Dubai um, and traveling the world. And my goodness, thank you for making time for us today and sharing some of that knowledge and passion. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Chef Christina Bauman, yes, the chef with the pink hair, uh, joining us in the studio, marking week of Italian cuisine in the world here in the UAE for the eighth time. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are taking you to India now and maybe the US and certainly here in Dubai with Chef Ranveer Bach of... Well, he's here in Dubai at Kashkan. But my goodness, sir, you travel. I don't even know where to start. Can we start where it all began for you? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in um, hello first you know hello. hi hey 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 <laughs> so so I grew up in in a small town in north of India called Lucknow uh, it's known for its food um, and you know that that city has sort of a crazy connection to food because um, there's a saying that you served one plate food but a pot full of stories oh so, storytelling yeah I think that that for me. Uh, growing up, that that really made a big impact on what else food can be beyond just what comes on your plate. What do you think that is? What what are some of the kind of the intangibles about oh. about food and celebration, communication? And- I think I think for me, the ones that really stand out, the one that comes first to mind is always nostalgia, right? That's the first emotion you'd connect to food. Mm-hmm. Second, um, a deeper cultural setting, um, and a sense of cultural pride, saying, hey, you know what, up north we do it like this, but, but you, know, you know how it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the broader emotions are a cultural connect, cultural pride, nostalgia. More, I think more importantly, um, uh, a very personal and a pure, m- that moment of reality that you have with good food, that mm-hmm. split second, that flash second of... And you say yeah. that when you're eating, but what about you as a chef? You know, what, what is it for you that keeps motivating you to travel and keep communicating? Do you, have, do you see those moments in diners in there, the, the eyes lighting up or them looking at them, you know, at, the, at their dining mate and go, this, this is why we're here? Uh, sometimes. Um, I, think, I think for me it works the other way. I, I honestly believe that, uh, you know, we are all very, very strongly connected with the same emotions mm-hmm. um, and our relationship to food although very personal still triggers um, uh, the same reactions and for me if it if it triggers the reaction in me it'll trigger it in the diner mm-hmm. that's how I look at it um, integrity and, and sort of keeping it there always works is it hard to keep integrity when you are so in demand? You know, three million followers on social media, TV, traveling internationally. How do you stay connected to what got you into food in the first place, Chef? Uh, I think I think it's um, it can get tricky in times when, you know, you really have to even market your integrity to. You know? mm-hmm. Unfortunately, those are the times we live in. Uh, but but I, what, what really works for me, I think, is uh, um, is... Keeping it simple, yeah. you know, um, uh, seeing things for what they actually are and uh, getting done with the frills as soon as you can and <laughs> getting on to the real thing. Isn't it funny? I speak to a lot of chefs who talk about how their, I, I guess their skills or their enjoyment of food, how they present food to the world has changed as they mature. And it's a case of, you know, you get in the, sh- in the kitchen as a young chef and you want to be putting these crazy combinations together and then you realize, actually, if you've got good produce, you've got good skills, the simplicity is all you need. It's actually in all, um, all formats of all mediums of expression. You know, um, I always say when you, when you cross, when you've spent 20 odd years with a medium, you realize that you're now starting to get a sense of coming full circle. I have that Even with, if I have it with if, writing. Yeah, and or, or with the whole, uh, I mean, if I, if I 
uh, hear you speaking. You know, it's not too much overmodulation, not too much trying. It's just sort of believing that uh, you know you just you have to be a medium to express yourself yeah. and keeping it as less complicated as possible. I think it's just that circle of life, or 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 or. Um, or just the way you express and how it changes with time. It's a confidence as well, isn't it? I think for me, and I, Belief, and I think yeah. coming back to writing, I remember looking back and God, I was just trying so hard. You know, I was trying to impress people. I wasn't thinking about exactly as you were talking yeah, I mean, about. I, I was putting twenty five ingredients on, in a dish, mm. right? And I, and when I was twenty five, I used to put twenty five ingredients in a dish. And now I'm like, what am I doing <laughs> now? Now, if if my dish has more than three elements, I'm worried. Yeah, got to bring that, it back. Yeah, yeah. Now you. Travel between India, you have places in the US and here in Dubai. How do you then think about catering to those different markets, whether it's to do with the palette or the setting? Do you do you find yourself at all, is it a case of this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be putting in this city? No, I think, uh, I uh, yeah, I've, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Uh-huh. Uh, overimposing uh, who I am. I think you've got to respect and soak in. Uh, the surroundings and whatever you you create has to have cer- a certain sense of coherence to where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even even before I started thinking of a restaurant in Dubai, I just came here and dined for a month, month and a half. I used to come and nice. go and spend time and just sit down. I just spend an entire day at the at the um, Dubai Mall, just just doing photography and. Uh, I just, you know, wandered in the streets, chatting up, spent some time at the souk. Uh, you know, I'm, I have more than 3,000 pictures. I like, I love photography and I think it just allows me a perspective to look into uh, an insight into people. So I did all that for a month to sort of say that, hey, you know what, I think I, I, think I get uh, where the city comes from. Get some context. Yeah. And I think uh, the food has to sit in that context, as you say, you know, yeah. it has to. So I was going to ask you about some of your favorite places to eat Indian food in Dubai, but I suspect you probably, because you serve it yourself, end up eating outside of the cuisine. Tell us about the menu at Kashkan. What can we look forward to? If we're going to come this weekend, Chef Ranveer, what should we be eating? So, uh, you know, at, at Kashkan, we have these very interesting combos. called uh, We call them the Kashkan combos. So Kashkan means Kashmir to Kanyakumari. That's the length and breadth of the country. And we have these... Very interesting food combinations that are very authentic uh, with, with uh, ingredients that are, again, very, very um, authentic, done together. You have to try the combos. Uh, there's a combo from each corner of India, which is very unique. I don't know if a lot of restaurants in Dubai would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you should definitely try that. You should try food from my town, from Lucknow. I've done a bunch of kebabs that are very are unique to uh, to where I come from. Uh, you should definitely try the biryanis out because, once again, I think I've grown up making biryanis and I'm getting just... hungry. <laughs> I should have gotten some food, right? Oh my gosh! I really thank you so much, Chef. Where can we find you in real life and on social? So, uh, in real life, you can find me in uh, the Dubai Festival City DFC uh, Mall. Uh, we are on the first floor. On social media, you can find me on uh, Instagram at ranveer.brar or um, everywhere else uh, <laughs> as uh, Ranveer Brar. Thank you so much, Chef. It's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, next time, I'll come to your office, okay? Absolutely. And you can feed me some of that incredible food. Thank you. Really, really appreciate your time. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Fantastic to have you with us this afternoon. It is your Foodie Friday. Don't forget 500 dirhams for you to spend at Spinney's. If you tell me you're weird but works, the food combination that might disgust others, but you have no shame and think it's fantastic. Joining us from Spinney's now is the digital content manager, Ankit Gulabani. Before we talk cheese, we talk baking. Ankit, you know I want you to share yours. Weird but yeah. works. What's uh, what what? What do you feel not even guilty about, but maybe a little bit embarrassed when people judge you on that combination? Well, uh, personally, I've tried uh, vanilla ice cream, the uh, the soft serve vanilla with uh, chili oil. What? And yeah, like a chili oil crisp with soft serve vanilla ice cream. And recently, I've seen it on TikTok that people have been trying soy sauce on vanilla ice cream as well, mm-hmm. which seems a little bit more palatable than chili oil, honestly. But <laughs> I like the idea of the 
the spicy but the cooling at the same time. I went and tried a burger at High Joint about a year ago and it was like, you know, a seriously hot spicy challenge and I am, you know, your classic white girl spicy, not very spicy at all. And they served it with ice cream, not after, but literally some softs, you know, on the side. And it... It worked. I was grateful. I'm not sure I'm going to rush to do it, Ankit, but but thank you. Thank you for sharing yours. <laughs> you also can't win either. But if you did win 500 dirhams to spend in Spinney's, because your office is literally above uh, the store, what's in store right now that you are eyeing up or maybe indulging in? Um, they, all the advent calendars have come in, so I'm eyeing all of the candy advent calendars. I love Reese's Pieces, so the Reese's advent calendar is the one that I have my eye on. Ooh, that sounds good. And then I, I love the idea of just like a little treat every day until you know you have a bad day and you just absolutely decimate the, the whole, the whole thing. Um, yeah. The new Nourish magazine is yeah. so darn festive. It's like yeah. it's like a it's like a hug and a mug. Um, you've got Christmas jumpers. You've got cheese. You've got baking. You've got some amazing puns, by the way. Have you had a lot of fun yeah. with it? Yeah, so much fun. Oh, my God. The team came together really to work on all of these puns. Come on, give us some examples, because I saw one outside the uh, Sakim store the other day that really made me smile. Come on, full cheese. Go for it. <laughs> so we've done, like, we've obviously all got fun, and we had a lot of fun. So we've got, like, a Yule log with, like, uh, words that say you'll do. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It, was the, it the was the Santa Bebe that I enjoyed. <laughs> Yeah. Have you seen the Meet Me Under the Mistletoe in store? No. <laughs> meet yeah. as in M-E-A-T. Yeah, M-E-A-T. And Meet Me Under the Mistletoe. It's in the. It's close to the where the butchery section is. I hop on over. Um, so the new issue, let's talk cheese. Because, I mean, that's one of my favourite parts of Christmas is a cheese board yeah. that might start on Christmas Day and then next thing you know, it's Boxing Day. You've barely made a mark in it and you couldn't be happier. Um, you've got French, you've got Italian, you've got British cheeses and a bit of a, a kind of a deep dive in, into each of them. Are you able to tell us some of your favourite examples from each of those categories and, and countries and, and what you're doing with them in the issue? Yes. So all of these cheeses, they're like super festive and they're going to come in around the first week of December. And that's when obviously like everything is going to go crazy with all the cheese boards in store and cause it's going to be our cheesiest Christmas ever. <laughs> but some of my favorite like recipes, like in the French section, if you look through the cheese boards, is the Valencia cheese, which is used to make these little filo tartlets, which are great for entertaining. And um, for the British ones, um, like, sorry, for the Italian one, actually, there is a Caccia Cavallo risotto, which is made using this amazing cheese from Puglia. Like, I absolutely love that uh, risotto recipe. And for the British cheese, for the British cheeses, you must, must use the Cropwell Bishop Blue Stilton, if you like Stilton, like I do. Oh, well, see, I, I just think of like a really, you've got the Red Fox in there as well. I just love, love a cracker. Give me some nice hard English cheese and a dollop of Branston on top. I think you need to have a bit of a chutney, whether it's homemade or jar. So absolutely. So French, Italian, and British cheeses in the issue and in store. You had a cheese advent calendar last year, Ankit. Do you have the inside yeah. track? Is that coming back? I don't think it's coming no. back. No. No. What about the camembert wreath? Yes, that's coming back for sure. <laughs> that should be in stores towards the end of November, so watch out for that. Uh, yes, I'll be I'll be buying one weekly. Let's have a sweet end to the week, Ankit. There's some brilliant bakes in there, and I'm currently really yeah. enjoying the Great British Bake Off on TV. It was um, oh my gosh, oh, the the one I watched um, last night was party food. So they had uh, well. I mean, sausage rolls and then a caterpillar cake and then they had to do a non-beige buffet and the creativity was amazing. One guy did a dinosaur theme. Uh, sadly, um, no spoilers. Someone else did a yeah. Willy Willy Wonka theme. Someone else did some sports and Christmas and it was these gorgeous little snowman shaped macaron and then I saw your baked feature for yeah. the kids called Snow Cute. Fantastic. And thought, okay, now I know how to do some of these things. Tell us, do you have a bit of a sweet tooth? Yeah, I do. Yes, correct answer. You may stay on the show. <laughs> Tell us about Baking Spirits Bright. What is in that feature in Nourish? So it's funny that you bring up the GBBO because <laughs> in one of the episodes before, they tried to attempt a cheesecake with like a dome, like a, like a gelatin dome on top of it, if you remember. Yes, it was, it was, it was, it was botanicals. I think they were making flowers. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So there's 
for the kids in the future, they, we've got these mini cheesecakes that are topped with this um, lemon soda jelly snow globe that mm-hmm. you can try and make at home. I mean, I'm sure the kids are going to need a bit of help with, um, with uh, on this one, but like there are some other recipes. <laughs> Yes, there are some other recipes, though, that kids can do all by themselves, uh, like the meringue snowman, which they can just use like piping bags to pipe out any shape of snowman that they like and then bake them. Or, you know, make little polar bear donuts where shop-bought donuts can be like judged up a little bit with this white vanilla icing, coconut and marshmallows that resemble snow. Oh, um, this sounds so cute. There's also this really amazing like TikTok-inspired recipe where you take a chocolate muffin from Spinney's and then you can just put like flaked almonds all around it and dust it with icing sugar and it's like snowfall. It looks beautiful. Oh. It's like pine cone shaped. That sounds so cute. Okay, and they've got little fingers. They can they can do some some dexterous work. So that's for the kids. What about uh, what about the grown-ups? I mean, for, we always had I don't want to say like arguments, but. There was the, the, my family growing. We were always a bit split between the pro Christmas pudding and the that is revolting. Get that off the table. So we used to do a Yule log sometimes, yes. and we're hosting this year. I was thinking about doing a pavlova. To be honest, what's what's you think? What's what's popular? What what could be a good showstopper Christmas dessert? Honestly, the Yule log is a great idea. The, there's a recipe for an Amaretti white chocolate brulee meringue Yule log oh. in, in the magazine. It, it, it's honestly, for me, it sounds incredible. I'm definitely going to be making it for Christmas this year. Okay. And recipes in the new issue of Nourish. Yes. Amazing. And yes, we should give a special shout out to your very cheesy Christmas jumpers. I saw them in store yesterday. Um, you can head over to the Spinney's UAE Instagram to see a picture of those. But yeah, tell you what, you're a very well-dressed team and it looks like you've had so much fun with a new issue of Nourish. Thank you so much for your time, Ankit. I'm not going to wish you um, a Merry Christmas just yet because I know we're going to be talking more festive food between now and December. But thank you. You've got me very excited indeed. Have a good one. Have a lovely weekend. You too. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Bringing you the ultimate Nikai experience in Dubai now with not one but two industry insiders speaking to us from above 11. We love giving you ideas about where to go and crucially what to eat over the weekend. And we're now joined by the founder and CEO of Soho Hospitality, Rohit Sashdev. And Chef Louis Gavancho is with us, the head chef at Above Eleven. Guys, I know how busy hospitality is on a Friday, so thank you for your time today. We are going to be delving into the menu there with Chef in just a few minutes. But Rohit, I'd love to start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about Above Eleven and I guess why you feel like bringing it to Dubai was just going to be the absolute hit that it is. Um, so we opened Above Eleven in Bangkok in uh, 2012, and we've never looked back. And um, it's uh, we uh, initially um, Bangkok is a city that that it's a, a, a very busy city, lack lack of green spaces. So we wanted to create this private park experience, and hence you've you've seen you've probably seen the uh, structural trees um, on the uh, terrace of Above Eleven Dubai, but it was about creating up this private park experience and bringing in Peruvian food. In fact, we were one of the first restaurants in Asia to serve uh, Peruvian food. And uh, it was just uh, the right opportunity that came up to bring it into this uh, uh, fabulous uh, rooftop location at the Merritt Resort Palm Jumeirah. And uh, when the opportunity arose, we we grabbed onto it and we, we haven't looked back since the opening in, uh, um, earlier this year. The location is phenomenal. The views, my goodness, you're there looking over the marina, you know, in Dubai, and then it's kind of tearing your eyes away from the the decor as well. As you said, your terrace is incredible. Um, as a, you know, an industry insider, um, can I ask then, how on earth do you begin to build a concept, especially when you are starting it in a new city? You know, is it a case of cut and paste or have you had to make some changes for a local palette, for example, or how Dubai diners might you know, go out differently. What changes have you made from the original outpost? Well, you know, um, we always created Above Eleven, even though it was, it was made for Bangkok. We always created the brand so that it could compete globally. 
And uh, so when we brought it to Dubai, we, of course, uh, looked at the uh, very competitive uh, lifestyle restaurant market. We knew what we were up against because there was there's I, 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 we found out that by the time COVID had ended, there were seven Nikkei restaurants in Dubai. So we yeah. know what we were up against. But it's really about. Um, you know, paying attention to detail, to all the important components that create a great experience, interior design, branding, uniforms, tabletops, food, beverage, cocktail programming, and music, and then making sure that there's a seamless thread that is sewn through the fabric of all those components to deliver an exceptional experience. And we are, you know, master storytellers at Soho Hospitality. We look, look put a lot of efforts into curating that storytelling, and we're very, we, we feel like we've done it very successfully here in Dubai. I think what that really speaks to is that we don't just go out to eat. You know, we go out, you know, to connect with each other, to experience something new, to, for me, I like a little bit of people watching and, and eavesdropping. We like that sense of escapism. And I think you get that when you walk through the door at Above Eleven and you feel like you are in some ways completely transported somewhere else, while also, as I said, with that view, bringing you back to Dubai. Let's talk food. My favourite topic on a Friday. Uh, Chef Lewis, thank you for being with us today. Um, tell us a little bit, and I know we're going to have tummies rumbling across Dubai, some of the hit dishes that are going down really well with Dubai diners. What have been the showstoppers so far? Hi, Helen. Yes, we have some signature dishes. Uh, for sure, we have the nice ceviches. We are trying to make traditional ceviches with some touch for the Dubai market. Also, we have anticuchos. We have a nice josper here in above 11. And we have some signature dish. It's the Patagonian tooth fish. It's a nice fish. We are trying to use some Peruvian chilies and some also some ingredients from Japan. This one is very nice flavor. Uh, we are cooking in charcoal. Also in Peru, we are using a lot of charcoal to cook some anticuchos. It's very traditional in Peru. So you have got some of those traditional flavors and techniques as well. Um, what about sourcing yes. ingredients, Chef? Are you, have you, are you bringing things over from Peru or are you doing any sort of sourcing locally? Yeah, for sure. The, our key ingredients we are bringing from Peru. We have three suppliers and we are bringing also some items from Japan. Uh, local, we are using some local items from some farms. Uh, also, our snapper, for example, is local. It's here from Dubai. Oh, really? So we're bringing some kind yes. of Peruvian, you know, flair, but with local fish as well. Um, can I ask you, uh, Rohit, a little bit about how you begin to, I, I guess, kind of launch, make yourselves known? It's such a competitive space right now. And, you know, Dubai dining scene, I was out last night, the terrace was packed. People are kind of back and, and loving the seasonality. What do you think is your point of difference in terms of standing out? I think the one thing is that we wanted to bring the authenticity of Peruvian food. There's a lot of dishes that um, I've I've looked at the comp the comp set and seen what they they provide, and there's some some dishes that are, um, you know, homemade recipes that are eaten almost every day in Peru, but they're not available in those restaurants, such as Lomo Saltado. It's a it's a Peruvian Chinese dish that is uh, made in the wok, um, and it has a, a beef potatoes um, served with rice and this is a dish that was recently uh, voted as one of the top uh, uh, dishes in, in the world actually and it's it's one of the dishes that if you actually go to the other Peruvian restaurants it's not available so we really wanted to make sure that we could bring the authenticity of the food that's eaten by by Peruvians and 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 ensure that we could offer some of those uh, uh, flavor profiles that are above 11. Um, okay, this is the hard question then. If someone's going to come in this weekend, you know, they've been like, Do you know what, tomorrow night, going to book a table. I'd like to hear from both of you, I guess, maybe one or two dishes that you feel like if you go to Above Eleven, you eat there, you've had the experience. Or if you don't eat it, then you're gonna definitely going to have to go back. Chef Lewis, let's hear from you, your two dishes that perhaps you're the proudest to serve up and maybe sum up your foodie philosophy on a plate. Sure, octopus anticucho. Mm. Like if I have to choose some starter and main course, I can go with some octopus anticucho, one ceviche for sure, and uh, Patagonian toothfish. Okay. And Rohit, I know you know the menu absolutely forwards, backwards and, uh, and, and back to front. Tell us, tell us about some of your top tips. Um, so I would have the, um, these are dishes that have come from Bangkok um, and the ones I know best. So I would have uh, the tuna tartare. 
Um, I will also have the uh, Hamachi truffle ponzu, which is fantastic. Mm. And then uh, for a main course, I'd go for the arroz con pato, which is a duck confit. Uh, again, French influence, so much influence coming from Peru, 500 years of immigration, and you can get all of that on one menu at above 11. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear what's been happening behind the scenes to get the doors opening there. As you said, you were there on the resort Marriott Palm Jumeirah. Above 11, started Bangkok, international influences and now here in Dubai. Wishing you guys a wonderful weekend. Congratulations on such a successful launch. And yes, I'm now craving ceviche. So your work here is done, gentlemen. Have a lovely, lovely afternoon. And chef, get back in that kitchen. I'm sure you're booked out for tonight. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Meeting the chef now, and what a chef we have for you. Thrilled to introduce you to a culinary maestro on the show today. His creations have graced tables around the world, earning a Michelin star's accolades and a place among the culinary elite. A chef patron at the three Michelin-starred French Riviera, Mirazur, named world's best in 2019. Chef Mauro is famed for his seasonally driven and innovative cuisine and we're lucky enough to have him here in Dubai ushering in a new era of celebrities at the one and only Royal Mirage embracing the DNA of a historic and critically acclaimed restaurant while indulging its guests in a whole new experience. Chef Maro, how are you? Hello, how are you? Very well. I'm so glad you're in town. It's lovely to catch up. Um, before we talk about what you're working on at, at Celebrities, tell us a little bit about your culinary journey. You've been everywhere from Argentina to France. And I wondered when we're thinking about culinary and cultural influences, how have they shaped your philosophy on food? I'm Argentinian born, so I start my culinary experience in Argentina and then I moved to France to learn French cuisine. And I stayed there. I opened my restaurant there. We uh, was lucky to be uh, recognized by Michelin immediately uh, after the opening. So uh, that uh, helped us a lot in the beginning. That was in, in the 2006. Mm-hmm. And after uh, that, we uh, start to be part on the list of 50 best until uh, 2019 who we was the the number one in the world and we win as well the three mission stars and uh, then we start to looking for here in dubai to the fantastic collaboration with the royal mirage and um, to start imagine how we can uh, do it here and um, so how we are you're really well known for your commitment to using fresh and local and seasonal ingredients. Can you share a little bit about how you're going to be using that sourcing philosophy for the guests at Celebrities? Yes, the chance who we was uh, with Mirasur to have this restaurant between nature, you know, ocean, mountains and our own gardens, mm-hmm. five hectares of gardens, permit me to have a, a very great approach about nature. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do here is to bring this uh, approach, this nature on a restaurant in the middle of the, of the city. What we can do for that is uh, we start to work with uh, local farms we, after already many years, who we start to looking for and to collaborate with, for example, my farm, mm-hmm. who now have the capacity to produce more vegetables than the, the, the past. We uh, try to supply a lot of spices in the Deira market. Uh, oh, wow. we You've been shopping. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And of how, course. how can you give it's us some examples? Important. How are you using some of these ingredients, chef? Can you make us hungry with some of your creations? Yes, my farm. We work a lot with aromatic herbs, for example, salads, and then we in the market we supply all our spices, saffron, cumin, and then we have this project to build a, a garden here, even in, in the property. So uh, we start already a few years ago with a very little garden and now we have the process to increase the land and to have a real production here just a few meters of, of the restaurant. 
So um, that that will help a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a long journey as well. You know, little by little in a city like Dubai, it's uh, not easy to supply mm-hmm. the local ingredients, but we try hard and uh, we try to really work as we work in, in Mirasur. For example, I don't know if you know, but Mirasur was the first restaurant in the world to have uh, the plastic-free certification. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. So that was a hard work, but we achieved, we do. And, um, so you're bringing some oh. of that to us. And, you know, sustainability is such an important topic in general, but obviously yes. with COP28 coming up, are there any techniques that you're using in the kitchen at Celebrities? Anything you're bringing from France with sustainability as a focus, Chef? Of course. So, you know, in the actual kitchen, the plastic is everywhere. And most of the um, techniques is using single-use plastic. So we avoid uh, all these uh, techniques and we start to do as we do it in the past. For example, for slow cooking, we cook on on confit. And then we as well, we change plastic by vegetable products. It's very similar at the plastic, but it's compostable. Wow. So, uh, yes, and we compost here at the property as well. So it's uh, a process with good techniques to avoid the single-use plastic. Um, and Chef, lastly, I want you to tell us what we should be eating this weekend. Tell us some of your favourite dishes from your menu at Celebrities at the Royal Mirage. Actually, of course, I love every dish. Who, <laughs> you can't say that. Our bed, no, no, no. <laughs> the, my, I, I have a favourite. is the artichoke tart, who is a very simple tart that is super tasty. Mm-hmm. Is um, We take each leaf of the artichokes and we cook and then we put in like a flour in a tart with a Comte cheese, who is a cheese uh, who we uh, bring from France, this one, because it's so good. It's mm-hmm. one of my uh, my favorite cheese <laughs> and black truffle. Oh, so it's wow. super tasty. And we serve this tart and then of the menu as a meat, you know, and it's a really meaty dish and without meat. So uh, I love this dish. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun there, Chef Mara. Thank you so, so much for your time. Wonderful to have you in Dubai, bringing a bit of French flair to one of Dubai's favourite restaurants, celebrities at the one and only Royal Mirage. It's been around for years and you're bringing in that new era. Thank you so much, Chef Mara Colagraco. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Giving you ideas about where to go and crucially what to eat this weekend. And the Athenian lunch launches tomorrow. It's the first chef's collaboration at Avli's by Tasha's. Two chefs coming together, combining their talents. You've got head chef Lassie there and the, the nomad chef. Andreas Legos has flown over specially. So, Head Chef Lassia, tell us, how did you guys come together for this first collaboration? It's a pleasure to be with you. We are all very excited for this collaboration. It's something that has come through a heart inspiration, something that we believe is missing from Dubai scene. We wanted just to give a very comfortable mornings and afternoons to all our guests and people in Dubai that uh, are very nostalgic. And obviously, Dubai scenery, in regards to FAB, they have marvelous restaurants, very, very successful. But we wanted to give that home comfort food Mm -hmm. that everyone is gathering around the table. And this is our goal, to celebrate togetherness. And uh, that's it. We're going to be speaking to Chef Andreas very soon, but I wondered if you could tell us about what it's been like to work together and, and share your kitchen. I love it. <laughs> I know that sometimes chefs, we don't want to enter in each other's personal uh, space, which this is their kitchen. But uh, from the minute that uh, Andreas entered from the door of Avli, I I think we had a very big chemistry. Mm-hmm. As people, as chefs, as ideas, it's just a pleasure to work with Chef Andreas. And I think this collaboration is going to lead in much more many exciting 
projects for Avli. Vlasia, I want you to make us hungry. What are you going to be cooking on Saturday? Can you share some of the dishes? Uh, I think that... uh, as I, as, I, as I already mentioned, it's going to be like homey granny style. It will be in a two part. One is going to be a buffet part, which is like I invite you home and I just offer you what my household has. It will have from pies, from cookies, from very traditional spreads. Everything will be homemade and based in fresh ingredients that we are bringing direct from Greece because we believe in the authenticity of this concept and we want to keep it as simple as possible. I'm going to ask to speak to Chef Andreas now. Chef Lassia, thank you so, so much. It sounds like we've got lots to look forward to tomorrow. Perfect. I can't wait to see you around as well. (laughs) Thank you. Hi, how are you? Chef Andreas, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I know how busy you are in the kitchens there at Avli by Tasha's. So let's get straight to it. I want to know about you. Where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about who was cooking. Okay, nice. I'm very happy that we have this conversation together. I'm, uh, I'm born in uh, Samos Island 42 years ago. It's a small island close to the Turkey. So... Uh, I had the opportunity to grow in a farmer's family, so I learned very early to to pick up the best ingredients from our garden. Mm-hmm. So that was something important for me, and this is uh, also my cooking philosophy. You were very lucky. <laughs> Thank um, you. You probably didn't even realize how lucky you were to grow up around such amazing produce. But when, yes. but when did you know Indeed. that you wanted to become a chef? Did, did anybody inspire oh, you? The, in, in my early years, around six, when I was six years old, because my mother and my father uh, was working a lot, many hours in the day, so the only common hours that we have in the house, it was when they arrived back and we had um, uh, some time to cook together. So I started to cook very early when I was six years old, and always I knew that I wanted to do this, mm-hmm. just to cook. Even now, I have the, the same feeling that uh, I don't feel that this is for me, it's it's a job, not at all. For me, it's uh, it's a way to understand the world. It's a way to feel uh, free. It's the way to communicate my my feelings with the others. What a blessing. What a blessing to have found that. So many people go through life without realizing what their calling is or or realize it but aren't able to do it. And we're going to have more from Chef Andreas in just a few minutes, including some of the very high-profile people he has cooked for. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. We are talking food, glorious food on the show this afternoon in conversation with not one but two chefs. We've got head chef Lassia um, from Avli by Tasha's and the nomad chef Andreas Lagos joining us. He is in town for one weekend only. Their Athenian lunch is tomorrow. Oh, yes, this is true. It's many years I have this title because I never had my own uh, uh, restaurant. So I always love to travel around the world to express my culinary identity and and uh, to cook uh, uh, Greek authenticity uh, cuisine. And also because uh, I'm a cook that uh, one day you can find me in, in the kitchen, the next day I love to write a book now. I write my fourth, I think, yes, or fifth, wow. my fifth book. Um, uh, I have my own program in the National uh, Greek TV. So for me, gastronomy and uh, cooking, it's... Um, it's not only to uh, to to work in a kitchen, mm-hmm. in a restaurant kitchen. It's to 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 do all these different things at the same time. This is my philosophy. So y- it's all about the food and the the good ingredients. You've cooked for some very high profile people in your time as a chef, including <laughs> yes. including royalty. We should say, chef and dress. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. What have been some of your most memorable experiences, and has there been a moment you think, my goodness, I've made it? To be honest, for me, it's the same. If I cook for uh, for for everybody, it's the same uh, feeling. For me, the most important thing it's uh, to feel comfortable to express my cooking 
And uh, for me, I feel blessed when uh, they love the way that I cook. And also, um, it's for me important when uh, in all these um, uh, cooking adventures, uh, bring with me uh, the Greek ingredients. This is something that I, I try to do uh, all the time for all my clients. Now, on your Instagram story highlights, you've got mm -hmm. Turkey, UK, Italy, US, yes. France. Are there any ingredients or any bits of equipment that you always travel with? Um, yes, always. I have my <laughs> my olive oil, mm -hmm. definitely, and uh, Greek salt. Really? Because it's this yes, yes, this is my obsession, to be honest. Okay, tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> always salt and and fresh herbs. Fresh herbs, salt, olive oil, and uh, citrus, it's my signature in all of my dishes. So because I, I think it gives uh, balance to everything. On our foodie show, Chef, I have one goal <laughs> and one goal only, and it's to make everybody listening hungry. So oh, really? can, can you <laughs> tell nice. us a little bit about what you've got planned for the Athenian lunch at Avli? Can you tell us, describe to us some of the ingredients and the finished dishes? Yes, Athenian lunch is a festive uh, Greek way to celebrate the Greek ingredients and the Greek uh, uh, culinary philosophy. This is something that, um, this is the, the main part that we come together with uh, with Natasha, of course, with Zeal and of course with Lassia that we work all together about this project. Um, the main thing is the best ingredients that we bring from Greece and also a few things that we could could, could, could could not find in Dubai. Mm -hmm. We make it here um, as such as a variety of uh, Greek local cheese. So we make our own cheese here in Dubai. Wow. <laughs> Greek cheese. Uh, we have um, vegetables from farmers from all around the Greece. Uh, some spices, some some herbs. Um, it's it's a blessing to find here all these wonderful ingredients that we growing up in Greece. So uh, the. Um, the best thing about Athenian lunch is it's the ingredients, of course, mm -hmm. high quality ingredients from all around the Greece, and also the um, the sim. But it's not sim. All these uh, recipes that we grown up in Greece and also in in Athens. It's recipes that we grown up uh, and we learned uh, through our mothers and through our grandmothers. So I, I'm feeling blessed to introduce all these. Um, um, uh, identity and all this philosophy mm -hmm. to the people of Dubai and so not only. So you're going to take us on a culinary journey, on a trip back through exactly. time, through the power of food. It sounds amazing. Chef, thank you yes, so much for making exactly. time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's, hope to see you soon. Hope to see you soon. I hope we're going to have a UAE highlights um, on your Instagram stories and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's wonderful to have you in town. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Chef Andreas Legos, the nomad chef and head chef Lassia of Avli by Tashes. They are hosting lunch tomorrow, Saturday, the 18th of November at the Athenian lunch and it sounds absolutely amazing. It is Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer for Farmer's Kitchen. I can't